Welcome to Four Points Online. We are honored that you are joining us today. If God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org forward slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to give there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's Word today. I'm really excited about today. We're going to jump right in to what you asked for. And you're like, I didn't ask for anything, but somebody did. So you're going to ask for it anyway. Is everybody all right with that? Is everybody all right with that? Here we go. This is what everybody asked for. And this is a big question, everybody. Because if you don't feel this way, I question if you're really human. Is that good with y'all? If you don't question this question, why do I keep struggling with the same thing? Anybody? If, if you know this feeling and you're frustrated sometimes, just let me hear you say, yep. yep. Right? It's, it's frustrating as all get out. And here's, here's something that before I really jump in, I want to tell y'all. I find this tension in my life, y'all, where I have this ideal or this idea of what I want to do. And it's even deeper than that because it's what I know that God has called me to do. And for those of you that are Christ followers, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you feel this pull that you know is supposed to take place in your life. And so it's big and it's awesome. And then there's that. And so we went to Disney World last week. And I'm going to show you a video at the end that is crazy how well it ties in with this message. And, um, but this is the one, this was my takeaway. Other than having fun with my kids and walking, I think we finally counted 43 miles that we walked that's a lot. I don't know if y'all know this, but if you don't mean to walk 43 miles and you walk 43 miles, that's a lot, everybody. But the one thing that I noticed about Disney World is this. I, I set a goal in the Magic Kingdom to find trash. I know it's quiet, but listen to me. I'm just talking about trash on the ground. A piece of trash. I'm not talking about lots of trash. I wanted to find trash because I was like, there's no way that they can have this many acres. And there's not some trash somewhere, everybody. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's got to be some trash. And I couldn't find any. And Leah read that they don't even sell gum. You cannot buy gum in Disney World. You can bring it in, but they really don't want it. And if there's gum on a seat or gum on the floor, they're going to get it up. But you can't find any trash. Y'all, I come in here after the second service on Sunday mornings, and I see trash everywhere. And that's just with 400-something people that come through the doors. And I'm like, they got thousands of people coming through the doors, and I can't find one piece of trash. And then I see that it's called Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom and this kingdom and that kingdom. And then everybody's a princess, so you got their kingdoms. We made them all, praise the Lord. But, like, <laughs> but this is what I kind of started realizing is, and I find this really burdensome, and it's going to tie in with this a lot. They have figured out kingdom a whole lot more than the church has. They have figured out what being a representation of something bigger than yourself is a whole lot more than the church has. Because even if we're Christ followers, and I hope many of you are, we still come in with an agenda 
That is, I hope I get fed today. I hope you give me what's mine. I hope I can get in and get out your way right away at Jesus King now, and let's do this thing. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just, I'm good, but it's got to be my way. Listen, in Disney World, there's no your way. There's Disney World, and it's Disney's way, and it's Magic Kingdom's way. And if you don't like that, they don't care who you are. They don't care what your last name is. They are no respecter of person at Disney. They're just going to tell you deuces. We'll find somebody else that can be Rapunzel. You know what I'm talking about. Like, they don't care. And so the tension is, why is Disney World better at representing the king that they represent than I am the king of kings that I am empowered with through his Holy Spirit? So I'm going to answer that question today with this question. Why do I keep struggling with the same sin? Because the reality of the matter is we all do. And here's where I think it comes from. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Don't turn there because this is only one verse and eventually I'm going to get you to turn to Romans 7. So if you want to go ahead and turn, turn to Romans 7. But I think this is fascinating and I think this is going to help us begin to understand why we keep struggling the way that we individually struggle. It says, you should not bow down to them or serve them for for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. Of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. To the third and fourth generation. If y'all have ever heard sins of the father in the Bible, if you've ever heard people talk about that or or you've, you've heard that said before, that is what this is. And here's what I need you to know as I continue. I'm just talking about the church right now, y'all. I'm not talking about them out there. I'm talking about us in here. If we would see ourselves as Disney sees itself, which is far beneath what we actually are in Christ, then we would look at the things that we are accepting of today and we would say, that is garbage and I am not allowing that junk in my life. But we don't. We look at ourselves and we say, it's all right. And listen, the minute that we say it's okay, The minute we say it's probably not that bad, the minute that we think, I'm going to allow this into my home because it's probably not that big of a deal, I need you to know that what you bleed a little bit, your kids are going to hemorrhage. Now, that was good, and nobody's talking to me in this place, but that's okay. I'm going to talk to myself. High five, Pastor. Ba-bang. Like, what you allow that's a leak, that's a small leak, is going to hemorrhage in your children. And then in your children's children, it is going to be an all-out assault. And let me just give you an example. And if this offends, I love you with the love of the Lord, but I'm going to show you where I think this is a struggle in just a second. But if you're my age, we were the Gen Xers, the mid-30s people to mid-40s people. When we were growing up in school, homosexuality was so awkward that when you saw them, you talked about them. Do y'all remember this? And it was like, oh my gosh, that's one of them. And I'm not saying that was right, but I'm telling you, at Burns High School, in the mid-90s, that was not accepted. But today, if you, and, and I, making fun of should never happen, so let me make sure I make this clear. But listen, listen. Today in our high schools, if you do not accept it as a lifestyle, you are horrible. Because one generation later, it's gone from unaccepted, but people are doing it, to you better accept it or you're bad. And by the way, two generations ago, it was not even thought of in this country. And the longer that it goes, the more that it becomes part of our DNA and who we are. 
And, and, and you can believe what you want to believe about any, any sort of thing in the Bible, but I'm telling you the Bible is clear on that uh, particular topic, and I want to show you why that's so important. An iniquity is an immoral or crude behavior. And I'm not picking on them. I'm not going to say anything else about homosexuality. And by the way, I think the church has been overly nasty on that side of things. And I will never be, and I hope homosexuals come to this church. But I want you to understand something. There's a difference between loving a person and celebrating by lighting up things and celebrating that this is good. It is not good, but I love them. Don't miss that. But iniquity comes from the root avah. Everybody say avah. And the meaning is bend or twist or distort. Now listen, this is where I'm going to really mess some of your theologies up. And you might hate this theology in just a second. But it's what the Bible says an iniquity is. Every single one of you have something in your life that is down deep what you deal with called an iniquity or iniquities. Most of the time it's one thing. And it's that thing that you keep going back to that you say, why do I do that? And in just a second I'm going to show you how Paul talked about this. In Romans chapter 7. But listen, this is what your life is like. And this is why it is wrong to cast heavy judgment on people that struggle in the homosexual lifestyle, like I just said. It's wrong, and I'm certainly not saying it's not, but let me use alcoholism as an example. Most of the time when we see someone struggling in alcoholism, and they get freed from it because they go through 12 steps. And then they get a job. Y'all stay with me. Then they get a job, and you're like, good, that's awesome. We're proud of you. And then like a year and a half later, they go right back to it. And we say stuff like this. How in the world? Why would they do that? Have y'all ever done that like I've done that? Four of you have. Let me hear. Has anybody else ever done that? Right? This is why. All of us are bent or twisted or deceived in, our, in ourselves, in our flesh. And we have a natural way. I believe homosexuality is one of those things. And so I'm not saying that I believe people are born that way, but I believe people's bend in, in that sin is born that way. And I believe there's many other things that all of us deal with, which is why to pick on one sin is silly. Because all of us have a twisted flesh that is bent towards something, and unless we're right with the Lord that we're going to show you today, I will be this when God has called me to be upright in Him. And so that's the tension. But this is what I need you to know because most of the time we know what our struggle is and you could call it out like I could call mine out right now. And so knowing what it is is great. But I found, and probably some of you have found, that that's not enough. And then we begin to blame it on things like I have an addictive personality type or that's just my struggle but no one else is dealing with. And I need you to know that the person sitting on your left and on your right has something that they're dealing with today, that they would be embarrassed for you to know about if it's an eating disorder, if it's their thought life, if it's a gambling addiction, if it's a sexual addiction, everyone has something. And whether it's raging out of control or not is beside the point because everyone has something. And this is what I need y'all to know as we move on is God made us like him. Look, Genesis 1, 26 and 7 says, let us make man in our image. Now, if God is one, how is it our? Because God is one God in three parts that I'm going to show you in a second. And after our likeness, and then let them, uh, let them have dominion, us, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all the earth 
and everything creeping. And, and so, so God gave us dominion over all these things. And then listen, verse 127 says, so he created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And hopefully y'all know this, but God is one God in three parts. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, when he came down, was operating as the Son. And God the Father always is in heaven. But then the Holy Spirit was left for you and left for me. Is what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's better if I leave because you're going to have my Spirit in you and walking beside you and as your friend and as your guide, and it's awesome. And so there are three parts to him, but there's also three parts to you, and most people don't know this. Most people are like, I'm just me, right? Who are you talking to? You like schizo, pastor? We're going to get to that in a second. Hopefully not. But you're made of body and soul, which, by the way, every time you see mine, that soul, and then it's gone, and spirit. And here's what I need you to know. And I'm going to show you this through Romans chapter 7, and it is fascinating. But your body is when the Bible calls flesh or your members or your parts. Your soul is the determining factor of which way you're going. It's, it's your mind and your will and your emotion. Your mind operates crazy, y'all. Your mind does a couple things. It, it recalls the past of what's taken place. And for many of us, really for all of us, right, whether it's parents' divorces in the past or, or death in the family or those things that we've put guardrails up in our lives that become massive walls, we recall things and then we put up walls so that love is impossible. And then it, our minds also allow us to dream. That's the other function that our minds can do. And, they, and, and we dream about whatever sort of things and we hope for the future and we begin to do these things. And those two things are at war. But most, listen, most importantly, your mind is a constantly in battle. Your emotions and your will are what makes up your soul are constantly at war because this is the deal. I find myself all the time, y'all, getting out of a service, getting out of time with the Lord and going, I'm going to do this thing. Woo! And then someone cuts me off on the road. And I'm like, I'm going to wreck you, and then bad words and whatever else, and it's crazy. And I'm like, how does it go from right here to right here in 30 seconds? Schizo. It's nuts. And it's because I have a bend in me that is twisted, that is sinful, that the enemy constantly attacks and knows and tries to deceive you with good. So watch this if you have your Bibles. Romans chapter 7, and this is the Apostle Paul who, by the way, if there was a Mount Rushmore for good Christians, this dude would be on there. I don't know what he'd look like because I'm not sure what he looked like. There's great drawings, but normally he's European. I'm pretty sure that dude was Jewish, everybody. But, but I, I know this dude would have been on there because he got the gospel all the way to Europe. And he changed the world. But this is what he said in Romans 11. I do not understand what I do. I don't understand my actions, for I do not do what I want to do. I leave church, and it's great, and I'm ready to go. And then I end up doing the very thing that I hate doing. Does anybody understand what Paul's saying here? Yes. Ah, I'm crazy. Why is this happening? And I want to go back to iniquity just for a second. This is the frustrating thing about iniquity, y'all. 
is iniquity in that bend, when a cycle isn't broken, continues and continues and continues in generations to follow. And it is the thing, it is the thing that I will do when I look for comfort and God is not where I look. Let me repeat that if you missed it. My deepest, darkest, ugliest iniquity, which is different than sin, by the way, because sin is out here. It's fruit. But iniquity is root. I will look to the thing that I find comfort in if it's not God every time, and I absolutely hate it. And so do you. You can identify the thing in your life that you would say, this is disgusting, I never want to do this, I can't believe I've ever done this, I'm never going to do this again. And you mean it with all your heart. And you mean it in your emotion and you mean it in your will. And tomorrow it will repeat itself if something doesn't change. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, and I agree with the law that it is good, like Paul says, I do the very thing I hate. And now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I, because in my emotion, in my desire, because I follow Christ, I don't want to do these things, so I don't want to sin, but it's the sin that lives inside of me, that dwells in me, that is my flesh. The Bible says that all your good deeds are filthy rags. In the eyes of God. And by the way, chapter 8 that I'm not going to get to today says that my body has enmity is the word with God. That, I, that my flesh is naturally the enemy of God. That is hard stuff, y'all. Let me just say it this way because it's not really fun, but it's truth. My flesh in my natural person is that garbage that I was talking about <laughs> in Disney that cannot function as a kingdom citizen, and the moment that I try to do it on my own, I am now an enemy in my natural person with God. Now, that's hard. That's why nobody's saying anything, because we don't like that. Because what we want to think is, if I just put my mind to it, I will do it. The reality of the matter is you got to put your mind to something, but it ain't just doing it. It's got to be him. Because the, re, the, the facts of the matter are this, y'all. No matter how good I try to be, the deceiver uses that good like we talked about last week in the garden a lot more than evil to just pull me away from Jesus just enough so that I'll fill my life with anything and everything but the king of kings. Moving on, it says, but sin that dwells within me, for I know that nothing good, look what Paul said here, nothing good lives in me, in my flesh, in my body, nothing. So when people say they're, they're good people, but they don't know Jesus, I got news for you, they may do good things, but we are evil. We are Sodom and Gomorrah, every human being without Christ. That is why. This is not just a I hope so that we can do this thing, but it's a we must or they're going to die and go to hell, everybody. If we don't change the world, and if we don't make an impact as kingdom citizens, it's not just growing a big church. Who cares if you grow a big church, but many people, many people, many people all around us die without Jesus. And so when I decide to do this thing, and I decide to have my own agendas, what I am saying is to hell with all of you out there, i got to do my thing. And if you were offended by what I just said, you're sitting in that seat of iniquity. Let me just say that, and I'm going to move on in Jesus' name. For I have the desire to do what is right in my heart, I want to do good, but 
I don't have the ability to carry it out. And if Paul didn't have the ability to carry it out, I promise Mark doesn't. Because I am no better than anyone. And I find myself doing these things and thinking these things and saying these things and saying, oh, why would I go back to that? What in the world am I thinking? Why would he do that? Why would that coach do? Why would that person do? Why would that man do? And it's because in my natural person, I will always, eventually, go do. For I do not do the good I want because but the evil I do not want, I keep on doing. So skip to verse 23. He says, but I see in my body another law waging war against the law of my mind, my decision-making process, my emotions, and making me captive. So look, I need you to see this. These three things, if my spirit is over here and my flesh is over here in the middle, is my body, or excuse me, in the middle is my soul, my mind, my emotions, and constantly they're waging war with each other, and constantly they're pulling. Will I lean in this direction and be twisted, or will I lean in this direction and be upright in the Lord? And every day I make the decision. And here's the stuff that I thought about when I read this part, y'all. When you were little kids, and I don't know if these cartoons, for some of y'all, I don't know if you watched these, but y'all remember like the angel and the devil sitting on your shoulder? Y'all remember that? And like the devil had the pitchfork and he was red. Does anybody remember what I'm talking about? And it was like Bugs Bunny. Always, you, you had to decide which one you were going to do. And the, the angel was telling you good. And, the, and as silly and dumb as that is, Paul is describing that situation, everybody. Because I know what's good. And the Bible says, by the way, that sin is pleasurable or enticing or fun for a season. And so I'm being pulled in this direction and my mind and my flesh are naturally linked together and it takes an uprooting and something unnatural to take place for my, for my spirit to start living and growing and exploding and things change. It's crazy. And then this is the other thing I thought. How many Lord of the Rings, how many people have ever seen it? Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Show me your hand. Have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? How many people have never seen Lord of the Rings? My mind is blown right now. I don't care. I'm doing this without y'all, but I still love you. So in Lord of the Rings, there's this dude, and he's like this little, short, ball-headed, like, ugly thing. Looks kind of like a mole, okay? And his name is Gollum Schmeagle, all right? And the whole time, like, he found the ring, and then the hobbit steals it, and that's what the whole thing's about, and they got to throw it in fire, and it's all good. All right, so, so here's the deal. The whole time. That he is following these people around trying to get the ring back. Here it is. I, I actually purchased the ring. Okay, y'all are asleep. Thank you. But the whole time this dude is crazy and he's like walking on all fours and he's lost his mind because he can only think of one thing and that is to fulfill his desires with the thing that he's always wanted, which is power. As soon as he got that power, it, it overwhelmed him. Y'all, every human being that receives absolute power, it corrupts absolutely because we begin to let it go to our heads. And that is what this little character was about. And so this is one of Leah's favorite things that I do. But sometimes, and if y'all don't know the, this voice, it's not going to mean anything to you. But sometimes I'll just sit in bed and go, Smiggles. <laughs> like, that was good, but y'all don't know it. But, like, there's this scene that's so fascinating because he wants, listen, he wants to do good. And so he's talking himself into it. The habits is nice. We swells. We'll never do it again. But, you're welcome. 
That's good. I could do Bill Clinton and it would be even better. But she doesn't like that one either. But, but then on the other side, he's got this thing pulling against him saying, no, you need this back. And I laugh and I say, that little mole-looking dude is crazy and I can't believe it. And I am that person in my life. I'm not schizophrenic in my personality type, honestly, and I hope nobody is in the room. And I'm certainly not making light of that. But I'm telling you right now, spiritually speaking, we're all schizo. Because we set out, if you're a Christ follower, we set out and we say, I'm never going to struggle in that again. Praise God. And then we completely forget who's the one that can set us free. No man can set you free from your captivity and your iniquities and your struggles. Only Jesus and only the Holy Spirit's power flowing through you can do that. And yet every single day I find myself going, who would you just say to me? And I let my emotions play the best of me. And then I begin to believe what I'm reading. That the current situation in my life must be the reality of what God has for me in the future. And I read the local news, everybody. And in the kingdom, you don't have to read the local news because we have the truth and the truth has set us free because we believe it. But we continue to read the local news. Oh, my job is a problem. Oh, my home is a problem. Oh, my life is a problem. And I don't live as a kingdom citizen. I live as the, in, the, in the mess that I'm in. And as a result, my members are lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, which is every sin under God. It's every sin. And I say to myself, I'm never going to do that again. I hate it so much. Because what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do, I don't want to do. This is terrible. And I say, I am just a wretched man. Who will ever deliver me? And I have these pity parties for myself. Does anybody else in the room ever have a pity party? I need you to talk to me. Yeah. Praise the Lord, it's not just me. But then this is where it gets good, y'all. I am going to dance and jump and go crazy. Thanks be to God through Jesus. Not through Mark doing good. There is no good in me. So every second that I try to be good on my own, I am, I am causing more destruction and a deeper bend because I find myself digging it deeper and deeper. But thanks be to God through Jesus that I have hope in his salvation. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. And his spirit begins to be, instead of bent and twisted and distorted and carnal, I begin to be upright in him. Not by what I do, but I serve him because I want to be filled with him. And I don't want to be filled with this garbage. I want to be a kingdom citizen now. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Notice he didn't say, I try to serve the law of God anymore. I begin to follow and become enslaved to sin. And that is what every person is without Christ. But this is so good. Romans 8, 1. But there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. There are consequences for our decisions that we make. But there's no condemnation, therefore, for those of us in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life is much higher because when the law is here, grace abounds all the greater, is what he says in another chapter of another book. It's, it's all the greater. It's better. It's higher. And it fills me and it lifts me because his spirit lives inside of me. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Woo! Come on. For God has done what the law could never do. Why? Because in order to be freed from our bondage, I would have to be perfect. And that's a joke because I can't go minutes in perfection. 
But because my weakened flesh couldn't do it. And I may be weak, but his spirit's strong in me by sending his own son. The likeness of us with a body, everybody, is what this says. And for sin, he condemned sin in my flesh. Listen, what did Jesus condemn? My sin, not me. Jesus took on, this is what the Bible says, not my opinion. Took on death, hell, and the grave in my sin. And went down and ripped up the keys of death and hell. My body is decaying, but my spirit is alive because I am spirit. And so he took my condemnation that I deserve, everybody, and you deserve. And every person that has ever breathed breath in this planet deserves condemnation. But Jesus took it and said, if you'll just follow me, you don't have to be condemned because there's no condemnation who's in Jesus. In order to, and listen, righteousness means right standing. How cool is this? I'm twisted and distorted. But, but in order that we might have right standing with God, he did what only he could do. The requirements of the law. That a, that a penalty of death with blood being spilled had to happen. Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness, is what Hebrews 9.27 says. But the, the king of kings shed his blood for us, everybody. That, that the law might be completely fulfilled through one man, and that was Jesus. Who walked not according to the flesh... But now we walk according to the Spirit. Golly, Pete, I'm about to preach. For those who live according to the flesh, we set our minds on that junk and that garbage and we're always twisted. And if you ask the question all the time, is it okay if I? It's probably not. If you got to ask, don't do it. If you got to ask, just, just stay away from it. Because why? I want to be a kingdom citizen, not so I can earn God's favor. I, I have all the favor I could ever want. I just don't receive it because I go this way instead of this way. And I'm filled with all the wrong things and the garbage that I think are going to help me. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. And I'm just going to quote some verses so y'all stay with me. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. But it starts with God is Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty or freedom in Him. And then I love this. John chapter 4, verse 32, I'm pretty sure. The woman at the well has, has had five husbands and is living with the one that she's with now. And she's who we would call filthy. And she has this twisted, carnal nature. And Jesus came to her and freed her when she received it. And listen, in verse 32, he says, listen, this is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for people that go through motions. I'm not looking for people that make Jesus part of their life. I'm looking for people who worship. And those who really worship, worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. And he is looking for all of you in your emotions to say, you know what? My natural mark would cuss you out. Some of y'all are offended, but it's the truth. But God's spirit is pulling me here to say, I don't know your current situation but I need to consider what you may be going through before I cast judgment on you because you're probably just in one of these. And were it not for the grace of God, I would be this today. Because you see, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill me to make me better than you. He fills me to make me better than me. And every second that I'm filled with Him, I'm changing 
and becoming all, all things are becoming new. And he's molding me into a likeness of his own. And 2 Corinthians 3 goes on to say that, that like a mirror, I go from glory to glory to glory and even greater and greater. But here's what I want you to know. All of us will struggle in these areas the rest of our lives. Every, every single time something comes our way in an emotional situation, whether you're emotional or not, naturally, it does not matter. We make decisions every day based on this. And if I let my emotions get the best of me, I will be twisted like this generation is. And I will not be a kingdom citizen of his kingdom. I'll be a kingdom citizen of my own kingdom. And listen, this is where worship ties in. The reason we struggle to let everything go in worship is not just because of the person sitting beside us, but it's because at the end of the day, we're still living in our own kingdoms and trying to add God to it. And he's giving you all authority to stomp on scorpions and snakes, the, the devil and his demons. But it's only when I am absolutely covered by him. Because see, in that story of the woman at the well, if y'all remember that when we preached it, he wants to uncover that junk so that he can cover you in his spirit. And most of us try to cover it constantly to look over our shoulder and say, maybe they won't see it. But that's not freedom. That's bondage. And the second that I just say, I don't care anymore, I'm going to walk freely with you, is when he uncovers it. And this is what I want you to know. <clears throat> there is only one way that I can do this every day. And that is by doing what Romans 12, I'm sorry, what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, that I throw off the things and sin. By the way, that sin is singular. And I find it fascinating because it's like that one thing that I'm really struggling with. And I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, who with the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame for your sake and mine. Now listen, this is good. And he's now seated with God. I've got to look to him. Here's something that happened last week and it, I'm gonna do my best not to cry because I hate to cry. <laughs> so Disney World was awesome, y'all. We had a great time. But my favorite moment happened multiple times and it was every time my boy got to see Mickey. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, in the cosmos of everything, how it works in Hastings' mind, Daddy's pretty high, Mommy's pretty high, Mimi and Papa are pretty high, and Mickey's number one, everybody. Okay. And it, this is what, this, I'm, a, I'm about to show you a video. They're going to show you a video, but I want you to watch it. But this is not the first time or the second time that he had seen Mickey for the week. And I just want you to see the childlike faith that Haston had. Watch this. Just look at that. Hey, over here. Oh, 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 there you go. <laughs> okay, let's go in the book. Who is it, hey? <laughs> Holy Spirit, the word comforter, parakletos is the word in the Greek, and it means the one that comes beside you 
and is your helper, but it also means the best translation is friend. Y'all, I know I'm not four, and I'm not full of energy, and I go through things, but what if, like this is just, I was just so heavy, not, when it happened, I was thinking about hasting, y'all, but on the way home, I just was so heavy burdened, and I just thought, when I let my emotions get the best of me, what if I looked at Jesus like Haston looked at Mickey Mouse? Because Mickey Mouse is cool and all, y'all, but <clears throat> remember at the beginning when I asked you, what if we looked at Jesus like that song, You're All I Need? I believe. This is where my theology might get a little crazy, y'all, but y'all just stay with me. I believe most people in this room are saved because I believe you've called on the name of the Lord, but I don't believe you ever inherit the kingdom like you're supposed to here because I believe that the kingdom is supposed to be inherited now and that heaven is our destiny in the future. And I believe that based on everything Jesus said. And he said this, unless I come as a child. I'll never inherit the kingdom. I'm so worried about everything else in my life and emotions and what I don't have and what I do have and how much I'm going to... Can I just tell you that my boy didn't care about one thing in the world in that moment. He just wanted me to know that Mickey was his friend. I want you to know. that there's things in my life I'm really embarrassed about that I wish I didn't struggle with. That I'm not the savior of any universe, but he's all I need. And this is how I recall that, y'all. I want you to remember body, soul, and spirit. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, this is Paul again in Romans, by the mercies of God. What are God's mercies? That Mark Pangle, who deserves death, hell, and separation from God for all of eternity, was given a free gift called salvation in God's love. By him demonstrating his love for me while I was a sinner in my carnal way, he died for me. And he didn't just die, but he also lives for me and he loved me first. And he forgives me is what mercy really is. And if you can't recall mercy, you've never received his grace. That I present my body, there's part one. That junk that I'm twisted and I just say, God, it's yours. I know what I am in my person, but I present it to you. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my act of worship and how I can truly worship in spirit and in truth. And then I'm not conformed by the pattern of this world, but I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, will, and emotions. And then I be, by Testing I can discern, which is wisdom that only comes from the Holy Spirit, y'all. It's not knowledge. It's Holy Spirit's wisdom. What is the will of God? Like, Pastor, how do I know what the will of God is, what his good, pleasing, or acceptable and perfect will is? By being filled with his Holy Spirit and accepting what he did right here, that he was wounded for my transgressions, my sins, and he was crushed for my iniquities and by his stripes that he took. We're healed. So I just need to ask you this today. 
Do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about do you know about him and have knowledge because you can know all about him and be very far from him. But I'm saying, (laughs) have you ever looked at him and said, he's my friend? Because that's what he wants for you. He knows you're a screwed up mess just like he knows I'm a screwed up mess. And yet he desires more than anything in this world for you to have a love relationship with him. Is that not awesome? And I just want to offer that to y'all today. I want to ask you this one question. Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life? That you have declared in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and in your emotions that God is spirit and I trust him. And I am not the God of any universe and I will not follow anything else. But you are the head and not the tail. God, I follow you wholly and completely. Will you bow your heads with me? If that's you and you know for sure, without a doubt, that you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to throw your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. All over the room, just throw your hand up and be honest. Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you did not raise your hand, will you just look up at me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. I just want you to make eye contact with me. If you didn't look just now, thank you. I see you. I see you. I just want to ask you this, man to man or man to woman. What would keep you from freedom in Christ? What would keep you from walking with a God who loves you so much that he gave his own son for you? Your offering, your gift today that we're offering you is not something we can do, but something you must do in a decision to trust and follow Jesus. And if that's something that we want to do, we want to help you. We will not embarrass you. We want to walk with you. I will not manipulate you. But if that's what you want to do, and there's about eight of you, I believe, that I counted, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's what I want in this room. Come on. Wherever you are, I see your hand. Who else? Keep it up if you don't mind. I see your hand. Keep it up all over the room. All over the room. Will you just raise your hand up? There's a couple people. Who else will be bold enough to say, Pastor, I'm dead in my sin, but I want to be alive in Jesus Christ today. If that's you, will you just show me your hand real quick? That's me. That's me. I believe what the Bible says. Also, Paul In Romans chapter 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. And it's as simple as this. Jesus, I trust you. I believe you died on the cross and I follow you. And if you just pray that in your heart, I believe with all my heart that you're saved. Everybody else in the room, I need you to look this way if you will. We're going to celebrate like crazy in a second. And I know at least one person is getting baptized. (laughs) But I need to know this. I don't need to know how much good you've done. I need to know how much Holy Spirit is in you and how much he's flowing in you. And I need to know this. Is anybody else in here ready to throw off the things that hinder and the sin that entangles and fix our eyes on Jesus? And with everybody looking, because we're brothers and sisters in a family of Jesus, I just want you to stand up and say, I'm with you in spirit and in truth. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus, you see us standing before you, and I would be the first one to stand because it is so hard not to fall to my emotions. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will be kingdom citizens. And God, I believe that we are going to change the world, but not by our power or our might or our strength or what we do, but by your spirit in us. 
Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, you, Holy Spirit, live in us. And we are so thankful. And we look to you. And we say we love you, Jesus. Now do it again. We pray these things and we lift up your name and celebrate death to life in this house because of Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody celebrate in here.